Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, we're getting close to the election. Was it two weeks away? Two weeks from today is the final. Is election day. I spent a lot of time last week uh, talking about the election, talking about Obama, talking about Hillary, talking about uh, our good friend Donald Trump. And so this week, I'm not going to spend that much time on it. We're that close. I think most people have made up their minds. I just want to make a couple of quick observations. Uh, The election is winding down. Some say that the Republican Party is going to be destroyed as a result of this election. The Republicans are going to lose big. They may very well lose the United States Senate. And if it's a real sweep, it's a wave, they're going to lose Congress. Uh, The Republican Party will not be destroyed. The Democratic Party has had bad national election days. The Republican parties have also over the course of the last 100 years. They always come back. Everyone rises, you know, it's like the phoenix. They rise, and they survive, and they come back to fight another day. So it will happen. What what must happen, though, is for a a party occasionally to get kicked in the ass because they get complacent, they get too powerful, they become know-it-alls, and that's the only way they're going to learn. They're going to straighten out. They're going to see the light of day. They have to lose and lose big, so they clean up their act and come back to do what people expect them to do. I also say that we need two political parties in this country. I have believed this forever, and the reason is each party is the indispensable opposition to the other. Permit me to repeat. Each political party is the indispensable opposition to the other. We need two parties. Why? To keep keep each other honest. That's why. And to keep each other on their toes. Uh, If you only had one party, we'd become a dictatorship eventually. Uh, So utter destruction is not going to happen. Uh, One of the reasons the Republicans are facing uh, a beating this time is because they picked a lousy candidate by the name of Donald Trump. They also deserve him because of the way they have conducted governing in this country for the last 15 or 20 years. Uh, It was their way or the highway. It was destroy the Democratic presidents, destroy a, a Democratic government, We will not support anything the Democrats want. That is not government. Government is the art of compromise. Politics is the art of compromise. And maybe the Republicans will learn this time. I doubt it. I doubt it. But maybe they just will. The other thing uh, I'd like to point out politically, and then I'm done with politics, is this election is turning on character, the quality of a person. Now, I agree that we have two candidates, both of whom have too many negatives. And it's an election where we vote for who we consider is the better one of the choice, the less undesirable, okay? Uh, Hillary has her flaws, uh, big time. Uh, But I'm voting for Hillary uh, because at least she has character, some character. 
I believe Trump is without character, and I think the way he has run his campaign uh, proves my point. I want to talk about what's been happening in the last couple of days. It's been announced that Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, is going to have certain premiums go up 22%. It sounds like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Look what happened. The truth is finally outing. Don't buy it. That 22% is going up 22% affects between 1% and 2% of those who presently uh, are covered under the Affordable Care Act. And it's a screw-up. There's no question about it. And I believe that next year it will be rectified. It will be rectified soon, early in 2017, because you just can't screw a certain bunch of people that way. This was a mess. Getting the uh, Obamacare passed uh, took compromise, took giving up a lot of things. I admire Obama for what he had to do. He wanted universal health care for this country. He knew he had to give to get it. No one else had been able to do it before, all right? And he had to give some things. And one of the things he had to do was keep the insurance companies involved in the program. He should have said, screw it. We should have had a one-payer system like Medicare. Medicare runs so smoothly. I'm on Medicare at my age. I love Medicare. Everyone loves Medicare that's on it. And you buy a little supplement to cover the 20% and you're set. Uh, But if he had said, no, we're going to have one-payer, the insurance companies would have destroyed him. So he got their cooperation to get this Affordable Care Act passed. Now they're working with the Republican elite to destroy the program because they want a Republican president. The other thing is, again, he had to give to get the drug companies. Big Pharma is a pain in the ass. They are screwing the American public big time. However, he had to give them a waiver. The drug companies got a waiver. They don't fall under Obamacare. All right. And that's why these prices of drugs are so astronomical. You hear me about talking about it periodically. I've written about it big time in my conk column. I've written about it many times over the years in the blog I do every morning. It's an absolute disgrace. They have a free reign. They do whatever they want. And it's Obama's fault, but he had a gift to get again, so I don't condemn him for it. But we've got to bring the drug companies under the Affordable Care Act also. America, the land of opportunity for the young. I always heard this. My father used to tell me you can be whatever you want. My grandfather used to tell me you can be whatever you want. My grandparents came over here around 1908, 1906. Uh, my, my, My mother was born in Italy. My father was born four or five years after uh, his parents came to this country. Uh, they uh, they didn't look, this was the land of opportunity, that's why they came, but they really didn't find much opportunity here. They knew they had to work hard, uh, feed their families, keep a roof over their heads, but success did not come, came only to a very few. My father's generation did better. I'd say uh, my father saw success maybe 30 or 40%. It was still limited, but His generation was becoming Americanized. And then my generation came along. We went to college. We became assimilated. Uh, We became successes, many of us, big-time successes. 
So America was the land of opportunity for me, no question about it, and for many of my generation. However, it's not that way any longer. There was a recent study done by the Commonwealth Secretariat. It was just published yesterday. Commonwealth Secretariat. This uh, study was published yesterday. And it said they analyzed, they listed the the top, the more favorable countries where uh, – the nation was a land of opportunity for the young. Young, by the way, being those between the ages of 15 and 29. And guess where the United States stood? Out of 183 countries, we were number 23. 30, 40 years ago, we would have been number one. Okay? But now we're number 23. The top 10 consists of nine European countries and Japan. We're not even close. We're number 23. And if we don't do something, and I don't know if we're going to get it done, we've got to move asses quick. Ten years from now, we're going to be number 53, I'm afraid. The economy has to be fixed. The only way you're going to be a land of opportunity is for people to be able to better themselves, to dream. You know, dream the impossible dream. I can make a fortune. I'm a Donald Trump. I can become president. I'm Barack Obama. I I can be a good lawyer. I can be a good doctor. You can't do this, though, unless the economy's good. So we need jobs. We need more jobs. We need a better economy. We've got to bring back the middle class. It was because we had a middle class after World War II, and we kept it until about 1980, uh, that people like me and my generation were able to improve themselves and go far in life. But we don't have that anymore. And unless we bring back that middle class and we provide jobs, uh, it's going to stay as bad as it is and get worse. And the reason it's bad is because of politics, political interference, poor judgment on the part of both parties. Primarily Republicans, though, I've got to say it that way. You know, say we're not going to pass anything for Obama, and they haven't, the Republicans. Uh, Everybody's got to look at each other, each party, and say, we've got to help the country. Stop screwing around. Compromise. Learn how to compromise. Want to talk about opium. Want to talk about Afghanistan. Want to talk about the poppy fields. Want to talk about heroin. Uh, Now, let me put all this in perspective. I'm an expert on this now. I wrote a lengthy, a very lengthy uh, column three years ago in Conk Life, long column on uh, Afghanistan, opium, heroin, and so forth. Uh, I have mentioned the situation in Afghanistan, as I'm going to lay it out for you again tonight, several times in the show, and Uh, several times over the course of the years in my daily blog. The reason I'm getting into it tonight is a report recently came out that Afghanistan opium production is up percent this past year. 43% increase in production of growth of poppies, poppy plants from which opium is obtained, from which heroin is made, up 43% this past year. Now, we have been in a war. Listen to what I'm going to say. I stress it. We've been in a war there in Afghanistan for 16 years, from 2001 to 2016. 
conceded the last two years were primarily providing close air support. We're still there, okay? This re a report came out saying that the production went up 43%, was issued just re this past week by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime. Now, why has production gone up 43%? Well, it's very simple. Ten more acres of land have been committed to the growing of poppy, of poppy plants. Ten, ten more acres. No, I apologize. It's been increased by 10%. Uh, the acreage has been increased by 10%. Also, there are better farming conditions. You've got to remember, these people growing opium over there in Afghanistan, they're like Monsanto. <laughs> they come up with better ways and more efficient ways and quicker ways to grow their poppy plants. Maybe it's genetically modified organisms. I don't know. But whatever chemicals they use, whatever they're using, their farming conditions are better as a result of which there has been an increase overall in the production and the growth of these poppy plants. So it's more acreage and better growing, a better growing method or methods. Now, we've been in this Afghanistan war for 16 years. And this is the point I made in my Conk Life column, I made on this show previously, and I make in my blogs occasionally in the morning. Do you know that during those 16 years, not one poppy field was bombed or destroyed by either side? Can you believe that? Not one. The farmers, their farm fields where they grow opium was not destroyed, no bomb hit, no farmer got killed. And... They were protected, obviously. And this doesn't happen unless both sides are cooperating, okay? Uh, now, why did all this happen? Not one poppy seed uh, plant is destroyed, uh, one opium field destroyed, one farmer killed because of bribery, money, money, money. There's so much money involved in this thing that the warlords are paying uh, the farmers the warlords and the farmers are being paid by the Afghan government, whoever it is. And I've got to tell you, and I've written about this in detail before, I strongly suspect, I believe, that there are money, there's monies and bribes going to U.S. officials in this thing, okay, whether military or otherwise. How else would not, with all the destruction we've read about over the years, I'm laughing when I say this, it's incomprehensible. With all of the destruction that's gone on, not one poppy field's been bombed, not one poppy farmer killed. Hard to believe. So somebody's bribing somebody. Now, let me go a step further with this whole thing here uh, with these poppy fields. I write about government waste occasionally, and I forget the numbers involved exactly, but I wrote a column in Conclife that the Pentagon, the Defense Department, one year they couldn't find $35 billion. They had no receipts for $35 billion that the Defense Department spent. Where did that money go? <laughs> Could some of it have been spent in Afghanistan for bribes? You see how it works? No receipts, no record as to where $35 billion went. Now let's go even a step further. They grow the poppy plants, 
They make the opium, and then they turn the opium into heroin. What is our worst problem drug-wise in this country the last several years? Heroin. The heroin epidemic in this country is never been, any drug epidemic has never been greater or close to it. It's out of control. Young people, teenagers, middle-aged people, old people are getting hooked on heroin. And many are dying. I, I know people who have lost a sister, a brother, a child to heroin. And that's what's happening here. And you see how it all flows? And not one of those farms got bombed, one, one farmer killed, et cetera, et cetera. It's a disgraceful situation. And it goes on because people, everyone's got their hands out and everybody's eating. And no one seems to take care of a situation like this. <laughs> what I'm going to share with you now, uh, I find amusing and I find scary. A, a study came out uh and interesting, it said that in the next nine years, or by 2025, the United States will have more robots, listen to me, more robots than human soldiers. In other words, we're going to have robots fighting instead of human beings in military uniforms. They will be super soldiers, these robots, physically and mentally. They will have brain implants. They will be able to communicate by thought alone, okay? And it's hopeful that when this point is reached in nine years, there will be zero deaths of United States military personnel in war zones. You believe it? Why not? Now, the Pentagon is pushing this thing. Uh, they say, every, and you have to understand, everything's money again. It will lower the costs of the military. The military budget will be much lower, and they believe it will lead to a higher rate of success in, in United States military operations. Whether both are true, I don't know. I'm just sharing what is being said. You have to understand, we're already into this to a degree. We have drones in the Middle East dropping bombs. Those are airplanes that are flown without pilots. We, Boeing just came out with an unmanned submarine, which will be launched by our Navy next April. An unmanned submarine. You know, uh, life moves on. I can remember in 1960 when I started practicing law, the big thing for law office efficiency was the new IBM Selectrix typewriter. Instead of having prongs or keys uh, that hit the paper with the letters. It was a little round ball that had all the letters on it, and that did your typing. It was supposed to be quicker, more efficient. You turned out more paper. Uh, that was the big deal. Still had, to use, uh, still had to use carbon paper to make copies and all that sort of thing, but that was the big thing. Look today. You press a button, it prints out 32 copies if you need it. Uh, it's easy to input into a computer. Nothing can be faster than that. The storage facility is great. You don't need to keep all kinds of huge paper files and rooms. Wonderful. So things do progress. We're progressing rapidly right now, I believe. Life does move on, whether good or bad. And I don't know if this is good or going to be good or bad, and I really don't know if it's going to be cheaper. And I don't know if it's going to save lives. And I don't know if I want robots with brain implants to be able to fight a war because suppose they decide they want to fight a war 
against their owners or makers or me or you. This galls my ass what I'm going to share with you now. I, I term it university fraud. Uh, colleges, universities teach us ethics while, while we're studying. Uh, that's always been uh, something they push. You have to be ethical. You have to do things the right way. And the worst thing you can do if you're in college is to plagiarize, to copy someone else's work and claim it as your own. It'll get you thrown out of school, or it'll get you'll flunk the course, one or the other. It's that bad plagiarism. The London School of Economics, big school, big university, London School of Economics, has a center for climate change, economics, and policy. A center for climate change, economics, and policy. Governments support their universities. When they need research done, a study in depth on an issue, they pay a university to produce that study. And it runs into a lot of money. Well, the British government gave $11 million in American money, $11 million, taxpayer dollars, to the Center for Climate Change and Economic Policy for research, Ray, global warming. Okay, global warming. Uh, and they expected them to turn out a product that would be helpful to their government. Now, understand, this is how it works. It does work this way. Government does give money to universities to make studies. Back in the 1980s, I, I was fortunate I had a, uh, my own private box at the Carrier Dome at Syracuse University. Everyone wanted to watch football and basketball. I had 16 seats, two private bars in my box. Wonderful. And I had everyone. I used to invite my clients, my friends. One of my friends was my congressman. He'd been congressman forever. We were buddies. And any game he wanted to come to, he had an open invitation, and he came to many. Well, <laughs> I would let the university know that he was going to be there. The chancellor would come running over from his box either before the game or at halftime to say hello to my congressman, shake hands, or my congressman would run over and spend half of the game at the chancellor's box. Why? Because Syracuse University wanted grants, and my guy, my congressman, was chairman of the Committee for Commerce, Science, and Transportation. And Syracuse University was interested in those science dollars paid to universities for study. So it works. This is the way the system goes. And Syracuse got a lot of business, not because of my box, but because the congressman was from our area and everything else. And he, was, he sat in a big position of power. Let's go back to the London School of Economics, their Center for Climate Change and Economics Policy. They got $11 million to do research for global warming, to write papers on issues affecting global warming and provide them to the government to guide the government. Well, the papers that were written, many of them, were written before the center was even organized, founded. It didn't exist. Many of the papers were dated uh, with dates, when the center still not, did not exist or been designated at the London School of Economics. There was no center for, clim for climate change, economics, and policy. Many of the papers were written by researchers not affiliated with the center. This, these were supposed to be written by 
professors at the center or research people. They were written by people not connected to the center at all. The university, the, the, the center paid people outside of their, their university to write the papers. And <laughs> most of the papers, this is disgusting, were not about global warming. They sent anything into the government, had nothing to do with global warming. And the reason they got away with it for years, and this is a disgrace also, is because the British government never read one of the papers. They never looked at the finished product. They just accepted it. They said they were taking a trust. Well, hell, they, they should have read them. Why, do you, why was $11 million spent to provide knowledge to the government? But the government didn't bother finding out what the, the, you know, the written word was and the gospel was with, regarding global warming from a scientific perspective based on the papers provided. It was fraud for financial gain. It's just been discovered. And I want to tell you something. I hope none of our American universities do it because they all eat big off the United States government with these studies. I'll bet you there, if you go through it, there's flaws in a lot of these studies, and the government is getting screwed, and the universities are plagiarizing, which brings me to this point. Colleges and universities are big business today, uh, very big business, and that's why it's expensive to go to school. Uh, the cost of an education has increased dramatically from the time I went, not proportionately, but like seven, eight times over, dramatically, too much. Why? Because Colleges and universities are run like business corporations, whether they're for profit or not for profit. Teachers get fantastic, professors get fantastic salaries today in the six figures. The head of a department gets between four hundred and five hundred thousand dollars. The chancellor and vice chancellors get so many of them in excess of one and two million dollars a year. How the hell can tuitions be low if we're paying these kind of prices to our our education teachers, a, a situation that didn't exist 20 years ago, by the way. It was starting then, and they built themselves up where they're, they're money people now, and they're getting big dollars, and that's why it costs so much to go to school. And then the kids have to go borrow, pay all this interest. They graduate owing fifty, dollars $100,000, can't buy a new house, can't get married right away. How the hell are they going to educate their kids if they're paying off their own loans? So... It's a cycle of bad stuff involving universities. I don't know the solution uh, as to the high cost of education, but something's got to be done because they are taking education away from the masses who will not be able to afford it. it there's no reason to get a college degree today if you can't go out and make some money right away. These kids are graduating can't get jobs. Five, six years before they get a decent job, they don't work at McDonald's. Five, six years, they still have to stay at, living at home after they leave college. A disgraceful situation. I uh, want to talk quickly about Venezuela and Maduro, Nicolas Maduro. I wrote about him. I have a huge column on him. I've written twice. This is the pres Nicolas Maduro, the president of Venezuela, elected in 2013. The first thing that happened, he ran out of toilet paper. He's still out of toilet paper today. He can't feed his people. His people, they're out of 
food. There's nothing to buy. The farmers can't grow. They ate their pets. Then they went to the they went to the zoos and they ate the animals from the zoos, the horses, the pigs, anything they could find. Now there's nothing. I don't know why the people haven't revolted yet. The only and I've been saying that for two years. The only reason I think is because Maduro is backed by the generals. He's got the army with him. Ergo, well. Maduro is one political party. The National Assembly, their Congress, happens to be another political party. And this past weekend, they were having a vote at the National Assembly to have a recall referendum on Maduro. And it never got to the vote because Maduro's people, not the soldiers, stormed the legislation, the legislature, and prevented the vote. It was warlike, without guns. Well, this is what's happening down there. Today, they're going to have a vote. To try him, they they said this came out today, it won't work because the government and their Supreme Court said Congress is illegitimate and can't do anything. Uh, this guy's going to be toppled one way or another. I see this the beginning of the end for him. That is the show for this week. Uh, I thank you for joining me. I enjoy doing the show. I'm glad you listened. The numbers keep going up. It's amazing. I thank you so much. Uh, please join me next week. Uh, in the meantime, those of you who miss it tonight, I know many, most of you read it in the archive version on Black Talk Radio, YouTube, and link to Key West Lou website. Uh, keep reading, folks. I'll keep talking with you. Uh, again, thank you, and I look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>